0: Turn to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to talk this morning about mission statements. Most companies have a mission statement. That mission statement is meant to communicate something about the country. I'm going to share a few of the examples uh, this morning. One is IKEA is to create a better everyday life for the many people. I thought it was to get endlessly lost in their stores, um, but I was wrong about that. Um, Nike, uh, their uh, mission statement is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. That's a big goal, right? Every athlete. Coca-Cola, this is their mission statement. To refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. I don't know about you, but that sounds like asking for a lot from a can of soda, doesn't it? (laughs) Taco Bell, their mission statement is is to take pride in making the best Mexican-style fast food by providing quick, friendly, and accurate service. Well, at least they get the quick part of it right. Um, There's an online shoe store called Zappos.com. I don't know if anybody knows this or not. I'm not. But here's their mission statement. Our purpose is simple, to live and deliver wow. Now, I'm not sure what the wow is about, but I think everybody wants to be about wow. So these mission statements, for better or for worse, all communicate something, don't they? They are supposed to communicate what the company is about, what it is, um, what they value, what are their goals, and what is their purpose. A mission statement is meant to be in the front and center of everything that a company says and everything that it does. The mission statement is all about what the company wants to accomplish. It's to influence every decision that they make and every action that they take. It's meant to be the heartbeat of company. And Paul had a mission statement as well. And that mission statement is found in our passage this morning in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. And I think this verse, verse 24, is one of the most central verses in the whole book of Acts. So what I want to do is I just want to read that verse first before we dive into the rest of our passage. So look with me in Acts 20 and verse 24 where it says, But I do not account my life of any value... Nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel and of the grace of God. This is Paul's heartbeat right here. This is Paul's mission statement to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And this is what Paul is all about. This mission statement defined him. This was Paul's goal and his purpose. And this is what Paul valued more than anything. This is what Paul wanted to accomplish and nothing else mattered to Paul. Paul counted everything else in life as nothing Except for this one thing, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And it influenced every decision that Paul made. And what we're going to do, what we're going to see this morning, what I want us to see as we look at our passage, we're going to be in Acts 20, verses 17 through 38. And everything that Paul says and everything that he does in this passage flows out of this mission statement that Paul has to testify to the gospel and the grace of God. And I want you to think about this. Think about that phrase. Think about that mission statement as we read this passage this morning because it informs everything that he does here. So I'm going to read this passage now. It's going to be on the screen here. You can follow along in your Bibles. If you could stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. This is the word of the Lord. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to them, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of the repentance towards God and our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God that he obtained with his own blood. Now I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in from among you, not sparing the flock. I coveted no one's silver or gold or pearl. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessity and those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, is more blessed to give than to receive. And we had said these things. He knelt down and prayed with them and there was much weeping on the part of all they embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken that he would not see that they would not see his face again and they accompanied him to the ship would you pray with me father god we thank you for your word your word is good your word is so helpful and necessary for us and I ask that you be with us this morning as we go through Acts 20 and we go through this mission statement of Paul of testifying to the gospel of the grace of God that this would become a heartbeat for Fremont Efree and for our very lives as well. So we pray that you would help us. We ask that you would come. We ask that you would do a good work in us here this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing that I want to do here this morning is I want to clarify what Paul means when he says that his mission statement is to testify to the gospel and the grace of God. Paul sees that it is his mission to tell people about the gospel. The word gospel means good news, and the good news that he is proclaiming is about the person and work of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the ultimate and complete manifestation of the grace of God. If you want to know what the grace of God looks like, you look at Jesus. So when I am talking about the gospel, when I reference the word gospel, as I go through the message this morning, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, 100% man and 100% God. I'm talking about the perfect life that Jesus lived that qualified him to go to the cross, to die on the cross, to take the place of sinners and take the punishment of sin by bearing the wrath of God upon himself so that he could offer us forgiveness for our sins the salvation that we need to bring us back into a right relationship with God. I'm talking about the resurrection of Jesus that defeated death and that secures our eternal life. I'm talking about the ascended Jesus who is now sitting at the right hand of the Father in power and making intercession for us. I'm talking about the power of Jesus that continues to work in us after our salvation to continue to conform us into his image. All of this encompasses what Paul is talking about, what I'll be talking about when we talk about the gospel that he has been charged to proclaim, that Jesus is the gospel, and this message of the person and work of Jesus shapes and informs everything that Paul says and does in our passage this morning. So what I want us to be thinking about is everything that we're looking at. And Paul says a lot of things here this morning. But everything that he says, what should be running through our head is this phrase, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The big picture that we see here, starting in verse 17 this morning, is Paul is wanting to see the elders of Ephesus. And this is significant in a couple of ways. One is that Paul is getting ready to give his final goodbyes to the people that he had spent three years with, three years investing in. So Paul is giving these last words to a people that he deeply cares for. And these last words are really important. Secondly, what I want us to see is that this passage here, this message that Paul is giving here is the only time in the book of Acts that a message is given to the believers, to the church. Every other message is given by Paul and that was given by Peter and the book of Acts was given to the lost, was a message of salvation for those who come to know Jesus. Jesus. But this is the only time that we see in the book of Acts where the message is given to those who are already saved, those who are already trusting in Christ. And the first thing that we see here this morning in our passage is in verses 18 through 21. What we see there first, if you want to look there, is Paul reflecting on his time when he was with them in Ephesus over those three years. Verse 19 talks about Paul served the people in humility not in arrogance. If there's anyone that you could think that could be proud, it would be Paul. But Paul says, no, I served you in humility. I served you with tears. We see his heart and his care and his concern for the people of Ephesus, and that he served them through trials, through suffering and hardship because of the plot of the Jews that were against him. And how is, able to Paul, how is Paul able to serve in humility and in tears and in suffering? Because of his mission statement, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel meant more to Paul than his comfort and his ego. In verse 20, Paul said that he did not shrink back, which means he did not hold back or step back from declaring to them anything that is profitable to them. Paul says he did this in the temple and that he did this in house to house, which means he did this on the Sabbath and then he did this as well throughout the week. And the profitable thing that Paul was declaring both to Jews and to Greeks were these two things. One, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus, which is the gospel, right? Turning from your sin and turning to God, trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and following him. And why did Paul not shrink back from proclaiming the gospel to anyone, Jews or Greeks, who would listen to him at any time in the Sabbath and house to house? It's because this is what his mission statement was all about. He's all about proclaiming and testifying to the gospel of the grace of God to anyone and anywhere. Then we see in verses 22 and 23, we see Paul's future plans. He's planning to head to Jerusalem next. That's his next place that he's going. And we see why. He says that he's constrained by the Spirit. This is strong language that is being used here by Paul. Some of your Bibles might say that he's actually bound by the Holy Spirit, which means that he's actually imprisoned is what he's saying by the Holy Spirit which I think is a little bit of play on words that Paul is doing here in this moment. Paul says that in every city that he goes to, affliction and imprisonment wait him. And I think Paul knows what is awaiting him in Jerusalem as well. And I think what Paul is saying, when he says that he's bound by the Holy Spirit, I think what he's saying is he's saying to, to the people here, and he's saying to us, is that, you know, it's not really a human prison that binds him. Instead, Paul sees that it's the Holy Spirit who he is ultimately bound to. And I think this is what drives Paul to do what he does, even though he knows imprisonment is waiting for him. Because I think Paul knows that he's really free when he's bound to the Holy Spirit. But not only that, but I think it is also Paul's mission statement of testifying to the gospel of the grace of God that continues to drive him and motivate him to keep going city after city after city, even though he knows that affliction and imprisonment are waiting him. And as we've seen, as we've gone through the book of Acts, and Paul has gone to a lot of cities. Uh, Seth showed last week of all the cities that he went to and all the imprisonment and all the suffering that he dealt with. I mean, just can you imagine every time Paul is getting ready to go and enter into the new city, what's run through his head? Well, I guess imprisonment and suffering is waiting me there too. And yet he goes. Even though he knows beforehand what is coming his way, he decides to go anyway. I mean, Paul didn't just say, you know, I think I'm just going to stay home this time and sit this one out for a while. Instead, he goes because I believe the other thing that is running through his mind is his mission statement to testify to the gospel and the grace of God, no matter what is awaiting him. And then in verse 25, Paul foresees the sad reality that he will not see the people again. His friends, his co-workers in the gospel, his brothers and sisters in Christ that he's labored with day in and day out for three years, he's saying goodbye to. And goodbyes are hard, aren't they? I don't know that anybody likes goodbyes, right? I mean, I'll tell you, as, as a product of a child, of a teenager growing up in the 80s, I cannot tell you how many times we played the song Friends by Michael W. Smith when someone was getting ready to graduate from high school or move to a different town and we're all weeping and crying and doing all of that. Come on, somebody else had to have done that besides me, I'm sure, right? Maybe? Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. But nobody likes goodbyes, Right? Goodbyes are hard. Man, I tear up every time at the end of Toy Story 3 when Andy is waving goodbye to his toys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it always tugs at my heart. If you've seen the Lord of the Rings trilogies and at the very end, Frodo is getting ready to say goodbye to his three hobbit friends for the last time before he gets on the boat and head to the grave haven. Man, that gets me because goodbyes are painful. They are hard, and we're going to see how hard it is for Paul and the Ephesians to say goodbye to each other. But before we get to the goodbyes, there are some last words here of Paul, and this is a charge that he gives to the elders there at Ephesus. The first thing that we see, if you look in verses 26 and 27, Paul communicates that he has preached the whole counsel of God to them. He has not left anything out of the gospel message of Jesus to them. Paul is driven to preach the gospel and to preach all of it to them, and he does not shrink back from proclaiming any of the scriptures to them. Paul did not compromise the message of the word of God. Paul did not pick and choose from scriptures what he would preach and what he wouldn't preach. Paul's conscience is clear. He's innocent of their blood. He has done all that he has been called to do. And that is because he had a mission statement that he had to fulfill, that he was constrained to fulfill, that he needed to testify to the gospel and the grace of God and proclaim all of it to them. Then in verses 28 to 30, we see Paul's concern for the church with some warnings First, Paul calls for the elders themselves to pay close attention, to be on guard and carefully watch themselves. That Paul is saying, just as I was humble, I need you to be humble as well. And depend on God. Don't think you've got everything all figured out. And then Paul calls for the elders to pay close attention to the church. He says, I want you to do this because it is the caring thing to do. Care for the people. And you know how you care for your church? You care for your church by paying close attention to them. And the reason we do this is because the church is precious. Notice here where it says in verse 28, all of the Trinity is involved here. It talks about the Holy Spirit has ordained the elders and that the church is owned by God and that it's obtained by the spilt blood of Jesus on the cross. You see, the Trinity is all at work here in the church, which tells us the church is important. If somebody asks you, why is the church important? You say, because it was important to the Trinity. Because all of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is working in the church. Then in verses 29 and 30, Paul gives this important reason that the elders need to stay on alert and pay attention. is because wolves are going to come into the church. It actually says that fierce wolves are going to come from within the church and from outside of the church. And Paul calls these fierce wolves because they're going to come with twisted words, he said, that will speak against and attack the gospel of the grace of God. Twisted words, Paul says, it will not spare the flock. It want, they want to destroy the church. And they, these twisted words will lead the people away from the gospel. This is why Paul calls them fierce wolves, because they will do great damage to the church and harm the people. This is a serious situation for the church to be paying attention to. This is why in verse 31, Paul calls for the elders and the church to be on alert, to be on guard the way a shepherd watches for wolves that try to snatch the sheep away. This is one way that the elders are to show that they care for the church. One is that they guard and protect the gospel. And two is that they guard and protect the people. This is why Paul spent three years with them working in, Eph- uh, working in, Eph- uh, in Ephesus tirelessly to fulfill his mission statement, to testify to the gospel of God's grace in order to protect the church from false teaching that could destroy their souls. Then we see in verse 32 that Paul commends the church and the elders to God and to the word of his grace, which I would also say is the gospel in the scriptures. And this is what we use in our battle against false teaching. Paul wants the elders and the church to be focused on the word and the truthfulness of the gospel. Because Paul goes on to say that God and his word are going to be doing at least, here we see three things. One is that God and his word is going to be spiritually building up the people, building up the church. Two, God and his word is going to give them the inheritance of, inheritance of eternal life and god and his word are going to be the things that sanctifies the people so holding on to god and the truthfulness of his word is vital for the church keeps the church from being led astray it's a tremendous encouragement and benefit to the church it builds them up and it will prevail in the lives of the people. It will see the people all the way through and their sanctification and in all of eternity. And the reason Paul commends these things to the church at Ephesus, because it's all part of his mission statement, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Then Paul switches to this last topic in verses 33 through 35 on money and and riches and generosity. Paul communicates several things. One is that he doesn't covet other people's gold or silver or riches. Paul also talks about the work that he did in order uh, to have his needs met and the needs of those that were with him. That Paul is communicating that he is content with what he has. But more than that, Paul also communicate that his work was to meet the needs of others. The weaker, it says, that Paul was more than content, he was generous. That Paul didn't just teach, it is more blessed to give than to receive, but he lived it. And Paul is showing that his ability to be content and to be generous and not to be envious of others' financial riches is based on his mission statement to testify to the gospel and the grace of God. Paul is able to find contentment in the gospel. And one. Paul is content in who he has in Jesus, Paul is free from the need of wealth. He is freed up to be generous because no matter what he gives away, he will never lose the most important thing he has, which is Jesus. And then we see Paul's love for the church. And the church's love for Paul as they finally say their last goodbyes. It says they prayed together, they wept together, they hug and even kiss, which I'm not sure what I think about that one. They are full of sorrow. They walk with him to the ship and they watch him leave. And this is just another great effect of the gospel of the grace of God in the church of Ephesus. Because a great love for God will flow out into a great love for others, for other people, for the church. So I hope that you can see here this morning how Paul's mission statement to testify to the gospel and the grace of God affected Paul in so many ways, right? It affected the way that Paul could be so committed to his work of the church day by day. It's how Paul is able to suffer so much. It's how Paul is able to face all the challenges that he faces. It's about how Paul is able to continue to proclaim and teach and defend all of the gospel. It's why Paul loves and protects the church. And it's why Paul can be content. And I believe what Paul is doing and communicating in this message that he is saying to the church of Ephesus. He's saying, church, I want my mission statement to be your mission statement as well. I want your heartbeat church of Ephesus to be to the gospel and the grace of God. And I hope you know that that mission statement of Paul's of testifying to the gospel and the grace of God is what we want Fremont Evangelical Free Church to be all about. I know that Ryan and Larry, and Steve, and Adam would joyfully join me that we want to proclaim the whole counsel of God to you. We don't want to leave anything out. We want to preach it all. That's why we go verse by verse through books of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, because we don't want to leave anything out. We don't want to just preach on the easy stuff. We want to preach the hard stuff too. We want to stand on the truthfulness of God's word and all of it, and we want to submit to the authority of God's Word, and all of it. We do not want to compromise the truths of Scripture in order to gain popularity or to fit in with society. We will not bow down by the winds of culture that blow our way. Other churches and denominations may drift from the truthfulness of God's Word, but we will stand strong on the bedrock truths of Jesus as found in His Word. The message of Jesus as proclaimed in the Bible is what we will unapologetically preach. We are not interested in the approval of man. We do not want the acceptance of culture. Instead, we want the approval and the acceptance of Jesus. We also know that it is our job to protect the church from any false teaching that may come our way. And we need to be on alert about this, right? We need to be on alert about others who speak and proclaim messages that are contrary to the truths of Scripture. And we need to fend off the wolves, I know this very well may make us narrow-minded, but eternity is at stake here. This is eternally serious business. So we will stand for the truth of God's Word, even when it's not popular, even when criticism may come our way. And and we do this because we love you. We, We don't serve this church because it's our job or it's our duty We serve this church because you are our family. We deeply care for you. We consider it a joy and a blessing to be here. I am glad that I can say that I have been a pastor at Fremont Evangelical Free for 10 years. And I'm looking forward to the next 10 and more years of being here, working together in the gospel with you. So, what about you? What is your mission statement? What is the goal of your life all about? Is it about the gospel and the grace of God? Paul had this mission statement so sharp in his heart and his mind that nothing else mattered to him. Comfort, ease, success, wealth, even his very life, Paul said, did not matter to him. Only the proclamation and spread of the gospel is what matters. Paul truly did, as the psalmist said in Psalm 34 that Seth read for us earlier, that he did taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you taste and see the goodness of God and that God is your greatest good and your highest treasure and your most prized possession, nothing else matters, nothing else compares to him, and you want others to know about him. So what is your mission statement? I would encourage you to think about that question. I encourage you as you go throughout your day, maybe if you get some, uh, a slow time in the afternoon, to think, what is my mission statement? What is my mission statement for my family? What is it that you want to spend your life on? Can I encourage you to make the gospel and the person and work of Jesus to be your mission statement as well? Let the gospel and the grace of God be the thing that you spend your life on. Can I encourage you to be pouring out the gospel to your family? Because there are so many voices and so so many messages out there in the world, right? Whether it's from friends and peers at school, or whether it's from the hundreds of social media platforms that are out there. Voices that go against the message of the gospel are being preached all the time. Those voices are wolves that want to draw your family away from the truths found in Scripture. So let's be about testifying to the gospel and the grace of God to our family, to our kids, to our spouse, to our grandkids. This is what we want to be all about, testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Let's make this our mission statement. Because when you do these things, whether it be with your, with your nuclear family or with your church family, these are things that will last for eternity. Success, wealth, material position, status, all of that's temporal. All of it's finite. It will not last. Just watch everything that's happening in the stock market right now, right? It's volatile. It's unstable. But the good news of Jesus and all that comes with him is steady and steadfast. And sure, it will last forever and will only get brighter and will only get better as it goes along. So what we're going to do here this morning is we're going to end this morning by singing a song that talks about this. It's, It's a new song for us. It's a song, though, that's been around for a while, so maybe you're familiar with it. It's a song called, My Worth Is Not In What I Own and its expression of the heart's desire to love Jesus and want Jesus more than anything in this world. So what I would like us to do this morning, that this song would become not only a song that we sing, but a prayer that we pray that we want to see Jesus as our greatest treasure, and that our soul would be satisfied in Him, and Him alone. Would you pray with me? Father God, oh, I pray that you would help Fremont E. Free to be all about testifying to the gospel and the grace of God. Let that be the thing that, not only the thing that we do, but the thing that we love to do more than anything in our church, in our homes, in our own lives. And I pray that you would help us to see I know the only way that this is going to happen, the only way that this can become our mission statement is that we can taste and see and know how good God is. And we know that we need your help to do that. So I pray that you would help us grow our affections for you. Help us to see you as our greatest treasure and our highest reward. I pray this in your name. Amen.